Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub. This is a friendly local food hub. It's based in Bermondsey. It's run by our very own Kelly Webster of the Millwall Lionesses, a very well-known Millwall fan. They do need supplies, dear listeners. Before we get into the show today, they have posted they need tinned meat, they need toiletries, they need soup, they need tin fruit and veg. If you can help in any way, they are on Twitter, at Lions Food Hub. DM them, you can DM me at Millwall, and I'll pass on any help and information that we can. Lions Food Hub, at Lions Food Hub. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. You're listening to Achtung Millwall, broadcasting from the beautiful South Birmingham. Set no Good afternoon, dear listeners. Welcome, wherever you're listening to this show around the world. Welcome to Achtung Millwall, the real Millwall fans show. Joining me in the aftermath of that Loftus Road debacle last night is the one and only the velvet-voiced king of Achtung Millwall. It's Mr. Mike Hayden. Welcome, Mike. Thank you very much, Nick. Good to be here. Well, bad to be here following last night, but uh, we'll yeah. get into it, I'm sure. We hope to be joined by Mr. Aaron Paul, Radio 5 star of certainly uh, speaker, if not yet screen, but um, we'll hopefully be joining us mid-call, Mike, but I thought we'd kick it off with just turning over last night's um, ultimately very poor show at uh, at, uh, at QPR. Um, it was a strange old game, Mike, because I thought yep. it showed us both our very best and our very worst, all in one 90-minute I follow package. Um, it's quite hard to put a finger on on last night's performance overall because it was such a contrast, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was an entertaining game to say the least. And it, it, it kind of goes back to, I think, what Charlie said on your show uh, on a Sunday in the last few weeks. It's just sort of inconsistency in the 90-minute performance, 90 minute performance. Yeah. Like We've never really been like really good for 90 minutes and had a solid win. There's always been kind of a per- quite long periods of the game where we've been very much second best uh, and never had that kind of domination through 90 minutes. And I think that was the case in, in regards to two halves of football, the old cliche. You know, mm. we were very good in the first and absolutely diabolical in the second. But, you know, this time it cost us. It really did cost us. Yeah, I mean, any, any side um, gives up a two-goal lead. I think I said last night on Twitter, you get what you deserve if you're going to go around giving up two mm. Half-time two-goal leads. It's just unforgivable, in my my opinion. You know, we weren't up against um, you know AC Milan at their height. There, we we're up against QPR, and they 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 turned it around in the second half. Mike, they came at us far more strongly and far more direct. But I can't help but escape the thing that we gave that second half to them rather than them taking it from us. It was it was our errors, as as it's been so often this season, um, that, that allowed them back into a game they should have been shut out of. Yeah, I thought we were really poor at the back last night in the second half. I mean, you know, they seem to be, you know, not not particularly good moves, uh, you know, but we just in poor positions. We, you know, kind of lost men. The marking was poor and, you know, summarised quite well with their third goal, you know, just a, just a header from a sort of corner, wasn't it? And yeah. you know, that just sort of summed it up in the end how bad 
defensively we were. And But what was disappointing, even at 2-0, we had many chances to score maybe three, four, um, you know, which would have hopefully <laughs> got us the three points. And, and that did cost us as well. I think we can obviously blame, you know, the defensive performance yeah. in that second half, but we missed some really guilt-edged chances as well to really put the game to bed. And, you know, 2-0 in this regard, it wasn't a safe scoreline in the end, clearly. No, it's that proverbial dangerous lead, isn't it? Two nil. Yeah. Um, I, I I agree. I, I think defensively, even even in our decent first half, and I, I don't like listeners to sound churlish because, you know, we we try and look at what's um, what's positive, but you can't escape the the thought that for the whole game, um, you know, basic basic tactics might like a long throw. Well, you know, this is not revelatory stuff, is it? This has been around many, many years, long throws into our box, and we just seem to be in panic stations. I, I have mm. a theory. I have a theory, and it's, it begins with A and ends in P. <laughs> <laughs> the AP I syndrome. Who you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I, at, I mean, I called it incompetent defending last night in the heat of the aftermath of the, of the game. And I thought today I'd, I'd, I'd ask you as a second opinion, is, is, was, that, was that harsh? I... I I can't escape the feeling we just look panicky with Alex Pierce in defence. And I, I I know that maybe um, Gary Rowett doesn't see the youngsters coming through. And maybe uh, if Murray Wallace had been fitter, you know, he, he did a great job on, on Saturday, but didn't start tonight, that maybe he would have been in that position. But um, I just find Pierce never reassures me, Mike. Um, how do you no. see him? What's your take on him? Yeah, I would agree with you. I think he's performed perhaps a little bit better than we've been used to in, in recent weeks, maybe, but uh, when he's been involved. But yeah, last night was just just abysmal. And like I think they targeted him as well as that weak spot in the back. I think they could. Kind of three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Charlie Austin had him. <laughs> it's just had him on so toast, much didn't he? he did. I mean, yeah, you know. he was it was so much more physical than Pierce. Pierce just couldn't deal with it. And when you've got a weak link at the back, and you know, they're quite a big physical side going forward. I think that Lyndon Dykes, who was seemed to be mm. everywhere, the blonde bombshell, should we call him? Uh, <laughs> so at the top, but, um, he, uh, yeah, he really caused us some issues with his movement and, um, and yeah, I don't know. I was disappointed in it, but I think you look at that performance now and you would hope maybe, although Evans looks quite assured in midfield, I think he, he's been a much more calming influence when he's played in defense and, you know, now Billy Mitchell's fit. Um, you know, give Mitchell a start, and, and that gives you the opportunity to uh, to drop Pierce. But I suppose he's thinking, you know, club captain and you yeah. know leadership. He does he does bring that, but ultimately, you know, for me, you know, the best leaders do it with their two feet you know um and that's yeah. the likes of like paul robinson why he was such a good captain he wasn't necessarily the most vocal but he did it week in week out on the pitch and was consistent and you just don't get that with pierce you know at the twilight of his career and and um yeah he he, he was he was at fault really last night um and yeah that was that was that wasn't it he reminds me of Radiohead. I mean, I, I, it, it, everyone everyone agrees that he's he's leader, you know, got his leadership and he's brilliant for these clap things he does. It's like Radiohead. Everyone agrees they're a brilliant band, but every time I've listened to him, I've been bored stiff, you know. And <laughs> I, I, I I think Pierce has this quality that is is like a like the Emperor's New Clothes, you know, that um, leadership and, and and experience and all the rest of it. Um, and yet, whenever he plays for us, um, I just find we look a panicky defence where you know that's been the foundation of the Gary Rowett style has been solid defence um, maintain possession and, and hit them on the break um, we did that part quite well in the first half last night so I thought we really did look very very dangerous going forwards um, mm. movement pace Jed at his best Woods getting yep. forward playing the passes that we can play that we know we know that there's a quality player in in there uh, Mason Bennett Mike I mean again mm. another player that I like and he, he started to look like he's this kind of mobile forward the kind mm. of forward we don't see very often at the den and you know I'm, I'm still I'm focused very much on the first half but mm. um if if, if only 
<laughs> we could have preserved what we had um, with basic defending because the, the the goals in the second half were were shambolic. I mean, I, yeah, I was I was surprised and impressed by the first half performance because you know actually we're we, we've been known to start slowly uh, and you know actually go uh, one goal behind before sometimes rescuing the game. Uh, but on this occasion, it was actually, um, you know, it didn't feel, feel real almost, you know, 2-0 up at half time. It felt too good to be true. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it felt it fragile, wasn't, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. And I think I agree with the players you said there. I think with, with Evans playing in the midfield, you know, he's clearly a bit more of a defensive midfielder and will kind of sit in a little bit, which then, as you say, allowed Woods to get forward. And actually, you know, he did did play pretty well Woods in that first half I mean got the assist for the first goal which was a nicely weighted ball through and yeah great cross yeah yeah great pass and fantastic finish from Jed you know it was quite a tricky angle as well but he Mm. finished that really well um you know and then um and then I think it was another ball from Woods into Mason Bennett who looked a mile offside and managed to miss one-on-one you know when when he kind of got in behind um, it was booted over the top, and I was thinking, oh, bloody hell, like this is how's he missed that? And then he goes to score two minutes later from yeah, sort of a retrieved his reputation, on. didn't he? I, well, I, yeah, well, he did, but then again, you know, if he had scored that as well, we would probably wouldn't be sitting here mulling over a loss. Um, no, so no. you know, and the, the two other really gilt edge chances fell to I thought Sean Hutchinson, which I think was at maybe the second half where good good balls into the box but just fell to his feet and he'd got in behind and then just lack of composure to kind of put a goalwards chance I think one he put wide and one he just spooned over the bar so you know we can blame the defence and we can blame Alex Pierce, but we had chances to win that by three four maybe five um, yeah you know, no so I agree I agree it's, it's a bit it's a mixture of both there wasteful wasteful chances yeah. throughout the game I mean this that's been in many ways, the story of the season. We, we probably made more chances last night than I'm conscious of in in very many games at all over the course of the season. Because you know we we get we don't make many chances and we score still fewer. It's been part of our, our modus operandi all season. But um, unlucky for those other chances to fall to Sean Hutchinson. He's normally not bad actually inside mm. the six yard box, and it's just one of those nights for him, wasn't it? Where you know normally you'd have backed him to get at least one of them. Um, I think Mason Bennett, with that chance you mentioned when the ball was played through and he's found himself in front of goal with just the goalkeeper to beat. Um, I, by then I was watching an HD quality uh, video stream listeners rather than the, the fuzz of Sky's red button. And I got a sense of surprise on his face that looked, I don't know what, you know, he looked as surprised to find himself there mm. as as the, 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 the viewing public. So I think that yeah. probably just took him over, over, overtook, the moment overtook him almost, you know, but um no, I, it was a good first half overall with, with one or two caveats that we were getting caught out by basic long throws into the box. But second half was just uh, very, very Millwall, as Harry might say, you know. Um, yeah. we, you know, we did have chances. You're right. I'm just looking at my notes here. We had, we had opportunities, but not taken. Um, the first well, goal um, was a real disappointment, I thought. Mm. Disappointment. Because we seem to give him so much space. I watched it again this morning. We give him acres of space to find Charlie Austin with a ball and he loops it in the net and just looked like very poor defending for that that first goal that was crucial yeah that and 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 their second goal to be honest as well and yeah we just looked kind of so open I think they started throwing a few more men forward um, and then we just didn't seem to deal with it 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 just felt like just almost like a hint of arrogance in that second half like usually when we get ahead or we're quite good at holding a lead and you know we like Mm. to think we are pretty solid team so I kind of I just sort of thought felt like it was just like a very arrogant performance in the second half where we just we just thought we were going to win that's just how it felt and I think that you know you could see that in some of the performances which just started to kind of get sloppy and a bit complacent and then the moment that first goal went in, I I put in our WhatsApp group, I've got a very bad feeling. And I was unfortunately <laughs> right. Because it's just they got their backs up then and then we started to panic and we yeah. were really poor. Um, the only one that, the only one of us in our little group that was kind of, well, I can't say pleased, but he, <laughs> Mr. Warren, um, put a very well-placed bet on at half time. One was 2-2 and the other 3-2 to QPR. And I think he won a few quid. He won he one handsomely, shows you, apparently, yeah. Yeah, but it shows you the uh yeah kind of just <laughs> shows you how much faith we have sometimes in this side and 
a bit of a bogey team in a way, QPR at Loftus Road. We got beat a similar score last season, didn't we? But, we did 4-3, I think. And yeah, that was an open was, game, strangely. It was, um, yeah. It seems to bring out the, um, I don't know, the the, the the open attacking play in Gary Rowe, that visit to Shepherd's Bush. I don't know why. Mm. Um, but no, it was, you know, it was poor, poor uh, defending for the first. Uh, the second goal was... Um, um, that was that was that was a close range. It was kind of hooked in from close, wasn't it? There was a ball in from the left, I think. Um, and yeah, was, the player was almost on the floor, managed to hook it past past Bart. Um, I mean, I don't want to turn this into an Alex Pierce festival of hate or um, online festival of hate here, Mike. But one of the repeat things I watched the, the goals earlier on was like the, the sight of Alex Pierce after each goal, clutching his hands to his head and bewailing the situation. And you think, well, if you'd have closed down that play, if you'd have made made that space less so, then we wouldn't be wailing at the moon afterwards, you know. Maybe, yeah. maybe I've turned him into a personal hate figure. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's thing is, he's a good bloke, so he's different. Like, yeah, I can't, you know what you what can't hate so, him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you him. can, I suppose, but some can, um, and some will, <laughs> and some do. But yeah, I kind of, I don't know, I have a bit of a soft spot in that regard. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think he just. He knows that we've we fucked up. Basically, I think that's what his reactions were, really. And I remember, yeah, just the picking the ball out the back of the net, thinking, "Oh, if we manage that." Um, but yeah, it was. Oh yeah, no, it was. Uh, it was. It wasn't good in the end. Well, the third goal, um, he was in the vicinity of the header. Um, the 85th minute. This was a, a, a corner, I think, wasn't it? Um, and it came in from the from the from the right side and was headed kind of in the vicinity of the near post and he was he was certainly near the situation. <laughs> I suppose he's, yeah. he's still got men, <laughs> he's still got his mental faculties enough to know that you've got to be near that player or mm. preferably you know with a few more um, steps in his you know spring in his steps they might have got near nearer to him still didn't stop mm. the opportunity but. Um, no, I mean, I think the three-two was that was that felt so predictable that. Oh, it was um, inevitable. I knew. Yeah. I just knew when it was two-two and they were pushing. It just we just looked so um, so frail at the back, and I just, um, I mean, my girlfriend was watching the game. Uh, God bless her. <laughs> last <laughs> night as well. It was actually I did mention it was our three-year anniversary yesterday, <laughs> and um, I I kind of got clearance to watch the game. So I said, oh, I'm doing the podcast this. Week, you know, I want to watch the match. Need to and, watch it because you know, Nick's a hard taskmaster. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I will be able to talk in detail. But anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so I said to her, um, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't mind, would you? You know, this will be seven, That's... seven till nine o'clock. Hopefully, it'll be a good match. Um, <laughs> But in the end, I, I think by nine o'clock, I think I just said, oh, I'm going to bed tonight. <laughs> just didn't even want to, you know, it was a very romantic. Evening. I was going to say, uh, that says love yeah. is. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah, the highlight oh, was just dear. fish and chips rather than the football. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I know. So the third goal, it was just to say, it just felt so inevitable. I think it was just, you could just see it coming. And and actually to concede that 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 way as well it just felt apt for that performance it, you know it was pathetic Nick if I'm honest that that just it just summed it up and, yeah it's a good word you know pathetic. frustrating it yeah. was it was and um yeah just sums up where where we are in a way at the moment you know that mid-table side sometimes we look promising but just the lack of consistency means you you're just hanging around that mid-table spot aren't you I mean, you nailed it in your voicemail that you sent me for the previous previous show. I think it was Mike when you can't wait for the season to finish. I think yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of Millwall um, fans wishing for the end of this season now. Mm. Um, I mean, the injury list has has not helped our calls. I, I, I was looking at the starting eleven this morning, and you know we can talk about Alex Pierce, and you know you can maybe talk about possibly even players like maybe Ben to some extent, but. You know, you could maybe fiddle with the fringes of that of that starting level, but there really isn't an awful lot of. You're not going to make huge changes. There isn't much on the bench that's that's available to Gary Rowett. Um, the big debate, of course, is whether he should be using some of the youngsters. Um, I'm a little bit wary of this because I've called for it myself, and actually, when I when I called for bringing in the kids, as as you know, as, as they say, I'm aware that sometimes this is like a like a false dawn almost you know if the kids aren't ready to play at this level you're possibly doing more damage than 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 good um but is there a place now for the likes of Hayden Mullis to start to see the bench or or, or maybe 
get a run out at some point. I mean, would you like to see the tirelers that make a start now? And yeah. I mean, so the, the John Daddies, the tired old no, soaks, that, you know. <laughs> when are you keeping I just we might as well just I might as well just turn it off um but um well I think I think certainly Danny McNamara and um and Tyler yeah. Curry because I think they've obviously got minutes and we've been impressed by both and you know Danny Mac I think it was you know harsh as we say to probably drop him again because I think he was exceptional when he came in he was um, yeah. and yeah. you know Marlon's been been fine but I wouldn't say outstanding um so I would like to see those two because you know they can perform for us probably at this level so I think you're quite solid there I mean it's not about what us as fans want to see though I think it's it's about what Rowett wants and Rowett was gonna is gonna do everything to try and probably improve on was it eighth last season yeah yeah, I think it was eighth wasn't it yeah so I just I just think to myself you know the the stats and stuff you know for his managerial career he's going to want to try and finish at least eighth or maybe seventh which is probably too far away but as close to maybe eighth as possible um just because for him is like we've talked about this before he's hopefully going to be manager with us and try and build the side but he's not going to be you know uh, a really really long-term uh, manager no, I think no, you know if no, he no, if he does no. well at Millwall like he will look for a move I think I think we're all clear there and if he doesn't do well I think that's his career over probably <laughs> um so but so but my point is that he's gonna want to try and finish probably eighth ish at least so that means that he's probably going to try and play um you know the strongest possible side yeah he Max, can. for maximum point return yeah for the exactly nine games now exactly that so i um, think that's what i mean hopefully you know in the last maybe two three games we'll definitely see you know the likes of hayden miller as you say but i think it's too far away i mean we're still as you say eight ish games left I mean, that's quite a few left to uh, to try and improve the position. So, personally, as fans, yeah, of course we want to see these youngsters, but I just don't think Rowett will do it yet. I think I agree. I was reading a piece on I don't know if it's News at Den or the or the London News Online, one of one or the other of the two news sites, and it was an interview with mm-hmm. Gary Rowett where they, they it was talking about um, signing players for next season and um, and so on. But, but they mentioned in passing that Dennis Wise was the last Millwall manager to achieve back-to-back top 10 finishes in the championship. And so that's that's a clear, you know, um, it's in the sportsman's nature to, to match targets, have targets and to match previous performances and hopefully supersede them. And I think you're right. I think that we finished eighth last year, albeit in a very um, odd odd campaign this has been an odd campaign too but Gary Rowett won't want to fall much below his his last term no. finish well he just won't um I think if you look at I mean in a few years time when you look back at this season if you just looked at you know the stats and stuff you'd go Blimey, Millwall had a decent season without thinking about that additional context which as fans like we all know um but I think and Harry's made this point is like we like a rip-roaring season at the den whether it's scrapping to survive or trying to challenge for that top six like it, there hasn't been a season sort of like this I guess for a while where you know we are just mid-table and I it just feels dead if I'm honest especially with no fans there as well that's why I just want yeah, it to doesn't over, help. I think. No, it I just no but it's just it's just like we are one of those teams like we've just got nothing to play for with eight games left where you know in the past we've always probably had some sort of thing whether it's survival looking over our shoulders a bit or with a chance in the playoffs this season we're just you know solidly in that mid table which you know isn't a bad place to be but it's it's bloody it's a bit more boring isn't it Nick? Well, this is it. I mean, it's just right. Millwall fans are not impressed by the the key performance indicators that um, the likes of Gary Rowett probably have to work to because, you know, back-to-back top 10 finishes um, would impress um, on a CV, perhaps. Um, It doesn't impress the the stand-upper, does it? Mm, No, no. Or the West Lower. (laughs) You know, that's not the mentality. Um, Rightly or wrongly, of course couple of points I've got here from I won't overdo these listeners but I've got a message actually this is a message from Doug in Sweden big shout out to Doug in Sweden um, he makes the point that even without any additional signings um, if you took this current squad we're talking in terms of injury losses like uh, bringing Murray mm. Wallace for PSC saying bring back Ryan Leonard when he's recovered for Thompson 
the size starts to look increasingly okay. Throw in Mitchell now, Connor Mahoney when he's fit, Keefton Belt when he's fit, Bury if he develops. He's saying basically that next season we should be at least as good as we are now, if not a bit better. Um, points yeah, yeah. in the bag there, you know, wins in the bag that we've drawn. I think that's the... Um, and he finishes with hope. The hope kills you, of course. Um, well, he's right, and I think he's got a good point because you know when we brought in Kifton Beld, um, and you know we had Leonard fit, Zahor was fit. Sort of when we came out of that really bad run where we didn't win for ages, and we start we started looking like a really decent side. Um, you yeah. know when we put a bit of good form together, and then all of a sudden that's gone to pot just with losing those key players. I mean, for me, Leonard is my player of the season. I think you know it's such a shame that he's out. He's been brilliant for us this year. Um, you know, and and he's right. I mean, we're we're just scrapping together whoever's still available at the moment. You know. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I wrote as I wrote to myself. Strange you say that. Does this side pick itself? Because there's hardly anyone else available. Well, you that's know, true. Yeah. You know, that's 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 the practical reality. You can talk about whether Bradshaw or John Daddy could start or not. I wouldn't neither exactly turn me on, you know, and that's that's the Zahor has been injured. I mean he's no he's a lone player. Um, we'll see what, what we get next season in terms of return or, or others that might 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 not come in. Um but yeah, I mean I, I think I think Doug's got a very good point there that there's actually the basis of a decent squad. Mm. The first half showed it actually, Mike. I thought I thought actually we saw a little bit of a glimpse of what we could be with a bit more of a fair wind and a little bit more luck on the injury front last night. And then Yeah, and, and and that comes, I think, as well with actually Mason Bennett and Jed Wallace actually just playing up front. You know, they're not I suppose Bennett's played up top a bit, but Wallace obviously more of a right winger midfielder. But they they cause people problems, you know, they're quick, skillful. They're the sorts of players you want to see up front, you know, not yeah. just your lumbersome Tom Bradshaws and <laughs> you know so so that that was nice to see and um yeah, if we can bring in some players like that over the summer you know you've got your spine there with the likes as we say Kifton Bell, Evans, Leonard that big spine of the team and Cooper Hutchinson it's just bringing in a little bit of creativity and ability around that now which hopefully we'll do over the summer the emotional one makes a good point in the second half QPR stopped playing out from the back they went long and they targeted Pierce yeah. I think we touched on that earlier on Mike we never got to grips with that and it cost us not an excuse but QPR also had a two million pound strike on a bench and we had John Taddy uh, <laughs> yeah I mean this is this is an easy point to make and, and it's true um you know um it's going to be an interesting summer time to see what um what chess moves uh, Gary Rowett makes because there are you know clearly some areas of the, of, of the squad at the moment that are in need of major league improvement um, one more maybe. Um, Stan of London worries that a, and he gets worried when a 2 0 half time lead wasn't enough for a point against an average QPR side when most of this squad has been drilled in Gary Rowett's defensive system for nearly 18 months. This is a system that sacrifices attack and creativity for control and stubbornness, and it's weak to blame the loss on Hutch's lack of goals. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the loss of the loss of composure was a bit of a bother last night. I think that, I mean, you, you know. Anyone can have a bad night at the office, but that we did look like we went to pieces in defence, and that was um, worrying. I think stands right there, Mike. Do you agree? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I've, I mean, I think it's as well as just like you know, you don't have that consistent eleven as well. You know that you probably like to have with maybe changing one or two every now and then. And yeah. you know that's been the case when you have a lot of injuries. You, as you say, it's sort of taped together with bargain buckets sticky tape at the moment you know trying to put a side out which is going to compete and uh yeah and that's difficult for the players because you know it's not I don't know it's just it's just not as structured and probably not as good as Rowett would like to see so yeah I, I agree with him there absolutely we're going to take a short break for some messages from Michael and Harry and then we'll be back after the these messages Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Achtung Normal. Well, what an action-packed game that was against QPR, dear listeners. But, oh, it's so frustrating. So annoying, so angry. So angry, you, you go 2-0 up against a side who did absolutely nothing in the first half. We were, we were very poor, I thought, or at least poor compared to us. We was, we was, we was excellent in the first half. A real, a real pleasure to watch, a real, a real nice change from what's been over the last few weeks. And, you know, we was in the driving seat. Great goal by Jed, fantastic goal by Mason Bennett. You know, we, 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 three points were in the bag, weren't they? And then we were, again, we were looking up and joking around. We were a bit closer to those playoffs again. But wow, second half was calamitous. Absolutely dreadful, wasn't it? And we, we for me, a lot, a lot of people, I'm, I'm, I'm talking back to the goal um, where we were knocking it about and we and Pierce lost possession and they ended up scoring from it. I believe it was Pierce. And everyone was going online, you know, oh, you know the tick attack of football and all things like that. And I get it. I get it, but I'm thinking more about the chances we missed as well. I mean, Hutch had one from from a couple of yards out. Mason, before he scored the goal, Mason Bennett, he, he missed a bit of a sitter. And, and really, yes, yes, they scored three, but with our actual clear-cut chances, we, we should have won that like 5-3. Our, our finishing, considering we scored two away from home and we had such a good first half, our finishing was, was poor, was poor. But then again, I don't think we... I don't think we ultimately deserve to lose that game three two neither. Um, it's it's a tough one to take because we did we did play well that first half, so it weren't as if it was just like an awful 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 game where we were poor or the standard was shocking. It just it was just a big big downfall, and I think I think once they got their second goal, QPR, you just it just it just seemed inevitable that they would get something from the game. We we weren't going to get anything back, but. But, you know, roll your sleeves up, come your lines. That's that's one more down before the end of the season and we have the big clear out. So let's, uh, let's see how we go from there. But um, I I ask you, dear listeners, please, please leave um, Paul Pierce alone. You know, he, he's not the best footballer in the world. Actually, no, you can have a dig at him if you want. Come on, your lines. So the night after the day before, or the night, the, the day after the night before even, that's as disjointed as the Millwall back four in the second half, or back five. Still play the back five. Anyway, so the Lions last night to be 2 0 up at half time, seemingly cruising, seemingly about to put away the Loftus Road, even though it's no longer called that, who do to bed. And they managed to they managed to fuck it up. They managed to lose. Um Ryan Woods, I thought in the first half, was everything that you've all told me Ryan Woods is supposed to be. He was dynamic on the ball. But QPR gave us a lot of space. They gave us a lot of time. And that suited the kind of game that Ryan Woods is in the first half. The second half was completely completely different. Completely the normal reasons I don't like Woods' problems. It wasn't just Woods. and I'm not digging him out. I'm just using that as an example of when he doesn't suit us in our current void. Um... Our, our, our current way that we are avoid of other midfield options because it wasn't a game for him it wasn't a game for archery it was a game for putting a foot in in the second half and holding on to what we had um and we didn't do that we you know we we conceded a comedy of errors we, we were knocking the ball around and we we created chances and we could have been three new up and instead we were two one which again still at two one okay they've come back into the game a little bit Maybe hold what we have for five, ten minutes. 
but we can we created another chance and we just capitulate. We just capitulated in that second half as it went on and after they got the after they got the first, was there any doubt they were gonna get the second and third? If you followed Millwall for as long as we all have, you knew exactly what was gonna happen. Um and it was almost predictable. It was almost it was almost so predictably predictable, it was it was very Millwall in its in its sense and I don't know, it's it's just disappointing. End the season now. Yeah, it was an embarrassing second half display after a really promising first half display. But if that doesn't sum up the season, really disappointing with an air of wanting to be impressed. I don't know what, what does, you know, that that's that's the problem to oh, that's the problem with last night, probably a bit of the problem with the side. Um and yeah, we'll play Middlesbrough with Walnut. On, on Saturday and we'll probably get beat two or three nil and uh, that'll be that really I mean it just needs to end there it's it's disappointing but we are where we are and it's just I feel apathy towards them I'm watching it out of duty not out of enjoyment and um, I mean I suppose that wasn't boring at least I can say it wasn't boring but uh, yeah it just it's just very weird it's just it's the end of a long long slog Please, let's get back to normality soon. I suppose Millwall getting beaten 3-2 when leading 2-0 is normality. Arriva Dirty Millwall. Achtung, Millwall. We are joined, dear listeners. Welcome to Radio 5 Live Star. Mr. Aaron Paul, welcome to the show, Aaron. Hello, mate. How are you? You good? Well, we both Mike and I have been engaged in verbal recovery after last night's 2-0 loss, uh, 3-2 loss, sorry, at, um, at uh, Loftus Road. Strange old division, Aaron, isn't it? I'm just looking at the, you know, the, looking at the table earlier on, championship table. And incidentally, listeners, do have a listen to Aaron's 72-plus pod. It's on BBC. Oh, we've got a beefy one. I can actually Sound. confirm, Nick, Yeah. Um, that at the time of recording, we've got Neil Harris joining us. Have you? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting one. Joining us. Uh, we've got David Sharp, ex-chairman of Wigan Athletic, talking about, obviously, the takeover. Finally, they've been taken over, Wigan. Yep. Uh, who else have we got? We've got Lee Bowyer on as well. Lee Bowyer, now Birmingham yeah. manager, formerly of SE7. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So Lee Bowyer, Neil Harris and David Sharp joining myself and Lyle Taylor on. So it's, it's, look, it's a bumper edition. It's a bumper edition. We, 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 we don't mess around. Tune in, listeners. It's a great show. And I'm not just saying that because Aaron's a mate. It is a good show. I listen to it on my constitutional, and it's 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 a it's a very strong strong production. So, 72 plus on BBC Sounds. I dare say you can get it on all the other outlets that uh, podcasts come in. Um, Neil Harris is an interesting case in point. I actually mentioned him as one of my talking points here, um, Aaron, because I thought he was. Um, a, a strong shout for the Pompey job. Uh, it turns out the Cowley brothers are now in, in the frame for that. I don't know if that's actually been announced as yet. Yeah, it's a funny one, Nick. I think they're going there on a short-term deal. Are they? Um, until, until the end of the season and sort of see how things go. It's a risky move for Danny and Nicky Cowley, who usually yeah. are into big long-term projects. But somehow, you know, they've been convinced by Mark Caitlin, the CEO at Pompey, to come in for a few months, see how they get on. They're still very much in the mix. I mean, League One's a basket case of league. If you look at the top to the mid-end of it, I think it's something like 10 points separate Charlton in sixth and Plymouth in 16th. Yeah. So, you know, things can change very quickly. Yes, we're in the final, you know, sort of nine, ten game days of the season. I, I, they're still in the mix, Charlton. They're still in the mix, Charlton. Um, you know, I know obviously, look, we're not in the Astro Charlton. I'm not talking about Charlton. I'm talking about Pompey. Pompey. We're still in the mix, Pompey. After after the situation that happened with with Kenny Jacket, I think for Kenny it just got a bit stale, didn't it? Got a little bit stale, like it is. I think for Alex Neal at Preston, yeah, it's getting a very just just a little bit stale. Where a squad maybe peaked at some point, and now you know you you're looking at it, and the turnover of the squad is is going to be a bit too much. And so yeah, it's it's. Um, it's going to be a fascinating watch to see how the Cowleys get on. It should be announced at some point today. We're, we're of course, recording on a Thursday. But yeah, the Cowleys expected in there uh, on a short-term deal. Interesting, interesting show. I mean, do, do, do you, Mike, do you rate the Cowleys as highly as the football industry seems to rate them? They they, they did well, obviously. Was it Lincoln? They did well at them. Yeah. And they seem they to did. carry this reputation with them, don't they? 
They do. But I, yeah, I think they did a fantastic job at Lincoln. But I mean, you know, it was pretty uh, un- uninspiring, shall we say, at Huddersfield, I thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they seem to have this kind of modern reputation and stuff like that. But we'll see it's going to be a test for them as well because i kind of think is it you know one of those sort of management duos or whatever who just seems to succeed at like one particular club you know like with eddie howe at bournemouth you know when he tried burnley it didn't particularly work then he went back to bournemouth and obviously you know we know what happened there you know, i wonder if maybe that's that's might be the case with the Cowleys, but we'll see. What? But um, I can see why they didn't go for Neil Harris because I just, I just think you know who's Harris learned a lot of his management skills off. You know, Kenny, Kenny Jacket. Jacket. <laughs> so it, it, it just feels a little bit like you know it could be yeah. more of the same in a way if they're not happy with Jacket. You take it off your white office shirt and put on another white office shirt for for exactly. tomorrow. You haven't changed your colour, have you? I'll, t- mm. I'll tell you what. With, with with the Cowleys, we had Danny on um, a few weeks ago on Seventy Two Plus. And he, he talked about Huddersfield. Do you know, I think the Huddersfield thing was was a fucking shambles. It was an absolute shambles because their, their remit was simply to come and keep the club in the division. Right. Something they did. And then the, I think it, you know, the next day they got sacked or something like that after, after you know, sort of confirming their status as a championship club. But, you know, when they went into Huddersfield, they'd, I don't think they'd won like a game at home in like a year or something like that or 38 games or something like that. They hadn't won a game in general in a long, long time. And so it was always going to be a difficult task. I think when you look at someone like Danny and, and, and his brother Nicky, you've got to look at a long-term project. That's why I'm surprised they're going in to Pompey on a short-term deal. It must be very, very attractive. They must have some sort of clause where you have to get promoted or, or if they get to the playoffs, then you know there's an extension. But when you think of them, you think of long-term project. Yeah, long-term project and and and, and a real long-term goal and and, well, and good football. Um, it'll be fascinating to see how, how things go. You don't get many of these long-term projects around in the game anymore, Aaron. Do you? I mean, you know, I mean, even Pompey. To be honest, they they are a club that will think of themselves as not being long out of the Premier League. This is a big name, big club. You know, um, um, and yeah, but Nick, you've got. Remember the, the the time they've had, Pompey. I mean, geez, you know, that club has been through the ringer. Oh, you know, absolutely. All absolutely. the way down the league two and bounced. And it's on the upward bounce now, Pompey. It's a big club. Let make no you know sort of bones about it. These guys were FA Cup winners, what, 10, 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, in League One, they get a big attendance when obviously crowds are there. You know, they feel Fratton Park, they're they're known for their vociferous fan base. Um, they want to be in the championship at minimum. Well, this is it. They, they they see themselves, and rightly so, in my opinion. I'm not I'm not saying this to not Pompey fans at all. They're a big club. I mean, if you contrast them, say with Wigan, for example, we just mentioned Wigan, yeah. despite their years in in the top flight, are not. They're not they're, you you wouldn't compete against Portsmouth versus Wigan. These are two very different clubs in terms of weight and history, and you know, and, and, and all the other judgments you'd make. So, you know, in terms of, I'm just thinking of a project and I don't know where Neil fits into, Neil Harris fits into this kind of um, managerial equation, really, because he is very closely associated with Millwall. He probably always will be. Um, He learned at the feet of Kenny Jackett and that seems to favour a certain style of football that just isn't seen as the way to go anymore. You, you, You know, you, you, I think Neil needs a pumping full house like the Den with the old, you know, a Neil Harris, a, 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 a Steve Morrison, possibly a Neil Harris style figure up front. And he needs all of those elements. And I'm just not sure what clubs are looking to do that anymore. Other than I, I look at Forest, you know, I look at Nottingham Forest. They're, they're a club I, I watched yesterday and mate, the atmosphere around the city ground is, is a fucking shambles. Everyone's talking about it. Yeah. In fact, yes, Chris Hewton is an effective manager. Yes, you know, he got Brighton and Newcastle promoted, granted. But, and I, I put this point out yesterday to Mark Chapman, I said, if you were Delia or one of the Norwich sort of board members who's been there for a few years and you sat and watched that game yesterday, your first words were, thank fuck we sat to you when we did. Thank <laughs> fuck. Because the football forest play is so poor, so negative. And I've got a cracker of a stat. I've got a cracker of a stat for you. Can you reveal this stat to us? Yeah, I can. Ivan Tony scored 27 goals in the league, yeah? Right. Forest have scored 29 goals in the league. Wow. 
four of them were own goals. Wow. So Ivan Tony has outscored Nottingham Forest. And Forest <laughs> have quite the strike force in Lewis Graben, Lyle Taylor, Glenn Murray. That they're a fan. They do, yeah. I, yeah. Again, yeah. Nick, if you put any of those strikers into Swansea City. Or Millwall. <laughs> or Millwall. Yeah. Yeah, fine. Yeah, absolutely. Stick him in our team. We'd be nearer the top six, wouldn't we? <laughs> absolutely. Any one of them. Mate, what I'm saying is those strikers should be getting 10 to 15 to 20 goals a season. Grab an averages sort of 15 to 20 goals every season. Lyle Taylor averages a really good amount of goals. Glenn Murray, goal machine. But it's about the style of football you play now. People want to see attacking football, especially when, you know, you've, you've spent money. And so I wonder about Neil Harris. I really, really wonder about what happens... You know, to where's him. he? Where's he going to go? I, I agree. I mean, uh, Mike. I mean, it is a televisual mm. experience now, isn't it? I mean, you know, this season for us has been entirely built around um, you know watching it on on, on stream um, one way or the other. And last night's game, I'm just going back to the, the QPR game. I mean, whatever else it was was an entertainment, if nothing else. Um, and you do want that when you're watching it primarily via the television screen. Um, the, the, the dull, dreary matches have been killers this season. Yeah. They? I wonder if you, I mean, he's not really had a transfer window though yet, Aaron. Would you not give him the summer to try and like build that team a little bit? I mean, I know he's at January, but yeah, Houston. Mm. Like, so I just think, I think I, I rate honestly, him as a manager. Honestly, I'm surprised to hear that. Yeah. Honestly, mate, honestly, my money is he'll lose his job. Yeah. My money is interesting. interesting. The fact of the matter is, if if the fans were at the city ground, there'd be fucking mutiny. It'd be banged for his I, head. I mm. mean, literally, Forrest conceded in the ninth minute yesterday. <clears throat> Cracker of a goal from Tamu Puki. They then conceded in the 13th minute, and I just saw Hutton's head go into his hands. They didn't make an attempt to actually attack Norwich at one point. At any point. And we've seen that the teams who have tried to get someone or have got someone of Norwich are the ones who have actually been brave and gone, well, fuck them. We know they're going to play football, but we can do it as well. And Forest have the capability to play football. If you look at the personnel in that squad, I'm telling you, a shitload of those players get into Millwall squad. A load of players get into Millwall mm. squad. And Millwall above Forest in the league. Mm. Mate, a load of those players get into Swansea squad. Get into, maybe not Brentford because they've got a big squad, but get into Swansea, get into Reading. Some of them get into Norwich. Mate, I'm telling you, if you, if you offered uh, uh, Lyle Taylor, I talked to Daniel Farquhar yesterday about it, the, the Norwich manager, and he goes, you know, when you see they've got Lyle Taylor and Glenn Murray on the bench, you know, you're sat there going, shit, goals. But they offered nothing. And I think he kind of hinted to that, that they offer nothing. And Chris Hutton, you know, you'll make excuses and go, oh, we crossed the ball loads. When a manager says to me, we crossed the ball loads, I'm like, fuck, that's... You know, <laughs> that's say ancient. Well, you do need someone in there to get on the end of them, don't you? Yeah. You know, there are there are multiple ways to string a cat. Nick. And, and, and unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, we're seeing this decline in this, in this type of football. We are seeing a decline now. It's an interesting division. I mean, obviously Norwich, just looking at the table now, Aaron, Norwich now 10 points clear at the top of the championship. They look pretty certain to, to take the title. I don't think that's a terribly controversial thing to say. Then you've got this kind of, um, you know, mix and match between Watford, Swansea, Brentford, and increasingly Barnsley seem to have momentum behind them, don't they? Surging into the into the top six. Mate, they're, they're my bet. They're, you know what? They're unfashionable. They're unfancied. But, Geez, uh, they're on a run. They're on a run, Barnsley. And Barnsley are another one. You know, you talk about project. Hmm. They're owned by Billy Bean, you know, part owned by Billy yeah, Bean. Yeah, the, uh, the Oakland Athletics um, yeah, yeah, baseball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, famously, famously. Moneyball. Same, same for Moneyball. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the players they've brought in, they, they, they've really done well. I mean, this lad, Dominic Fraser. Good player. There's many a pun to be made by his name, by the way. Dominic <laughs> Freezer, Mads Anderson, Michael Solbar, good, good players. Michael Hellick, good player. Daryl DK, on loan from, from Orlando City. Very good player. Five and ten games. You know, they know how to recruit. They know how to recruit. And once you know how to recruit, you're laughing. You're laughing. Who, um, 
And your opinion, uh, Aaron, because you get to see a lot of these teams more than we do. Does Norwich have the firepower and ability to survive outside the bottom three of the Premier League next season? Or are they going to be? They've learned, Nick. They've learned their lesson. Okay. And one thing I, I, I praise them for, and I'll always praise them for, is I covered their game against West Ham last season. They got beat 4-1. Mikel Antonio played at front court hat-trick. They, they got relegated. And my God, the fans were fucking livid. <laughs> phoning all the phone-ins, phoning up Radio Nor- uh, Norfolk, phoning up Five Live going, you know, they need a sack Farker. We've shown no effort. We've shown no attempt to, you know, change our way. Yeah, yeah. But do you know what? Respect to Daniel Farker, respect to Stuart Webber. They've got an idea, they've implemented it, and they refuse to budge off it. They will play attacking football until it kills them. I think they go into next season better armed. They've signed this fullback, Yanulis, Demetrius Yanulis, left back, um, who I think is is basically loan to perm. Um, Liverpool were very, very interested in him. He's going to solve a big problem for them. I think they'll go and get another striker. I think they'll maybe probably go and get another midfielder. But it's about keeping hold of Campwell, keeping hold of Buendia, keeping hold of Max Ahrens, and maybe just bolstering the squad now with 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 you know some 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 good players, some better players. But to go down, to, to so to go up as champions, come down as the bottom place club, and then mm. go back up as champions, that shows a lot of resilience. Oh, yeah. They, um, they. Uh, I think I saw a little stat on Quest. Actually, I was watching the uh, goal show. Was it maybe last week? But actually, Norwich have scored less this season than they uh, they they did uh, when they went up previously. But they've conceded a hell of a lot less, um, and actually, I think have more points than they did that season they went up last. So I think that shows you that they probably changed a little bit and will be a bit more defensively resilient when they go up this time so um it's yeah, going to be interesting to see how they do yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how they do well, i mean the others watford yeah. swansea brentford barnsley reading borough bournemouth i mean they all feel like mincemeat you know um ready to come straight back down if they do somehow find themselves in the uh in in, in the apparition i, I, I mean nick be, you look at bournemouth bournemouth for me why you're not topping up that squad i don't understand yeah. You know, and and you know, one thing I want to I want to touch on. I don't like Watford. Like Watford, I just look at them and I think, for fuck's sake, just, you, it annoys me. You know, when I when I watch as a, as a club, <laughs> as a club, I used to quite like them because I used to live fairly near there. So if you know my own club weren't playing on a Saturday, You'd pop along, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I pop along and, and watch Watford. And these were in the days when Watford didn't have a pot to piss in. Yeah, you know, the roof was leaking in the ground. It wasn't it wasn't the best. But they were playing under Malky Mackay and Sean Dyche and stuff. Yep. And so I see them now, but I've got to give them their, their dues because effectively they've seen the, the problems they had last season. The problem, very simply, they shipped so many goals. It was unreal. They lit, fixed the back of their defence. They fixed that. They've looked at the core of their squad and they've kept it and gone, you know what? We're going to try and improve and we're going to try and do what we do best, you know, which is try and play this attacking football. And do you know what? They, they, they've they kept, I think they've got the best defence in the, or the third, second best defence in the championship. Is it the second? No, in fact, it is the best defence in the championship, the joint okay. best defence with Norwich City. They've sorted that out. They're scoring goals. They've got a big enough squad. They've bolstered that squad. They've made sure that squad is, is, is doing it for them. Whereas you look at someone like Bournemouth and you think, you know, you potentially have to break up your squad. And it's a small squad already. You have to break them up because of FFP. Yeah. You're going to lose certain players. You know, clubs will come and cherry pick the best. The likes of Chris Meppham and, 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 you know, maybe Lloyd Kelly. But what are you going to be left with in the end? What are you going to be left with? And so, again, it all comes down to recruitment and, and what they expect. And I don't think Bournemouth have got, personally. If, if you look at it, I think... That top six is the top six that will stay. I, I really. Well, I was going to ask that as a question, and I don't know. Actually, I'll ask. I'll ask both you boys. I mean, out of Swansea, Brentford, Barnsley, Reading, let's call that the tops, the the, the playoff um, candidates. I mean, I, I none of those none of those feel like um, sides that will that will survive a season in the Premier League. I don't know. Brentford, I suppose, would expect to have it as part of whatever business plan they're working to something some kind of projection forward um but none of them feel like clubs that would last long up there i mean mike do you, do you see any of those as being potential survivors at premier league level if they get up um 
maybe maybe Swansea and Brentford, I think, because I, I think Brentford just feel like a club ready to probably take the step up. I mean, they were unlucky last season, but to be honest, I did think they would finish in the top two this year. And, you know, I think they're five points off second. I think they've got a game in hand. So it's still there for them. Um, you know, Barnsley, I think, surpri- surprised everyone. Yeah, they've <laughs> so, surged uh, here, haven't they? Yeah. You know, they, they'll get in, but yeah, that would be quite disastrous, I think, if they did go up. And um, I think Reading a pony. I just I can't believe they're still sixth. Like, especially where we played them just that they've been poor um i was back in cardiff to get in there but they've gone off a little bit now the, boil, after they? the big yeah. mix surge initially and then uh <laughs> <laughs> you know going a little bit off but um yeah i think it's maybe swansea and brentford but um yeah i mean i think if barnsley and redding i think they they'll be coming straight back down I was just to close matters, chat. So I'm just going to uh, go to the bottom of the table. I mean, Wickham look gone, really, don't they? 26 yeah, points yeah. for the bottom of the table. Um, Sheffield Wednesday don't look very healthy at all, chaps. 29 points, 23rd position. Um, what's that? That's it, nine it was points. Poison Chalice for, for Darren Moore to take over. Poison Chalice. It certainly looks. It certainly doesn't look like the healthiest of um, of, of clubs, does it? Um, do they see him long term? That's my thinking, Aaron. I mean, it just seems a strange appointment, doesn't it? It's not someone who's I don't know how got a massive track record in management, and it's sort of like he's brought in. Maybe he's been brought in for the future. If they do go down, they'll stick with him and try and get back up. Yeah, I think I think uh, Darren Moore sees it as a long term job. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether Dave from Chance who sees it as a long term job. <laughs> I mean, the fact they've played 36 games and Rotherham has uh, have played 33, that's worrying. That's very, very worrying. Rotherham, they're three points ahead and, and they could make up that ground on Birmingham. One thing you'll get from Paul Warnside is, is His effort, grit, yeah. determination. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, Blue, yeah. Blues are teetering. That was a big win for them under Lee Boyer. But Wednesday. You know, I mean, the they've, thing been, is, they've been down to League One. They've been down to League One already, but it just this will be the lowest ebb of, of the Chan era. You know, he's ploughed a lot of money in. Granted, there's been little to no direction, but this was a club that was operating at the top end just two seasons ago. And, it, and now you see it and it, it's flipped completely. League One's like quicksand though, Aaron. I mean, it absorbs you. I mean, you look at Sunderland, yep. you look at Pompey, you know, you look at the well, Bolton, obviously a different story, gone, gone down into League Two, but you know, clubs and Wigan, um, it, it just kind of absorbs you. It turns you into this kind of um, League One club very quickly, you know. Um, you don't want to fall into it if you can at all help it. And that's a big, big name, Sheffield Wednesday, but big club. The, the problem is, Nick, clubs go down to League One and think automatically, yeah, you know what, we're good with this league, we'll, we'll get up, we'll, we'll go up. I mean, I don't think Sunderland expected... Spending Ipswich have struggled, though. I mean, it's, it's Ipswich, a... mate, under Cookie, you know, he needs a window to sort... Things um, out. It's it's a basket case of, of a division. I mean, just you know, looking at it, Hull, Peterborough. Granted, you know what, Hull. They're always going to have a better season this season under under Grant McCann. You can't get as bad as as last season. Um, but Sunderland, I don't think they expected to spend much time in at Ipswich. I don't think they did. It's it's a real real basket case of a division, and as I said, you know, if even if you look down to to Crew in fifteenth, seven points separated them and Charlton in sixth. Anything can happen over the next you know sort of ten games, and I say ten games. You've got Blackpool who have still got fourteen games. Yeah. Um, Charlton have got ten games. Doncaster got thirteen games. Lincoln have got eleven games. Everyone is at different points of their season. It's 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 a crazy old time. It's a crazy old. I was going to say, um, I didn't realise how well Gillingham were doing as well on a good run of form, only a couple of points away. Fucking hell, I didn't expect to see them so. (laughs) Yeah, scary. (laughs) Usually down the bottom, aren't they? Jesus, I want them coming up. Fucking hell, it's never good to see (laughs) Gillingham coming up. It's it's just a a club that you don't want to. You don't want to get involved with. It's a bit. I, I, my heart sinks whenever Wickham Wanderers near, are near us as well. I mean, you don't want to. You don't want to play them either. But um, Gillingham is, is, is that plus Shithouse FC Gillingham, aren't they? <laughs> oh, I think I, don't, I think they've won, lost one in their last five. Vidane Oliver scoring goals from up front. I mean, <laughs> to think of Steve Evans and Gillingham in the Championship will be creepy. <laughs> I want to I want to close the show with a semi rant, and I've touched on this already, but I make no apologies, listeners, to moaning about the awful Sky Red Button service. I put it on last night with the expectation of watching the match, and I finished up paying the tenner in the end to watch it on iFollow because the service is such pony boys. It is fucking awful. It's one camera, no replay. 
um, one camera on the halfway line with it's like someone's mobile phone camera following the playback and forwards. You could it was really really poor service, um, and I know that you know they could supply it via their red button um, facility. Some might say. Well, you are paying. You are paying for it. I was going to say you're getting it for nothing. You're not. You're paying for the for the service in the first place, and they're better off not showing it at all if that's the best they can come up with. Because I just thought that was utter utter dross last night. I I finished up. Um, I missed the offside goal in the first half. As I fiddled around, paying for a tenner to watch it on iFollow. Because at least then I could make out which players was were which. You had. Um, replays, multi-cameras. This is revelation. They had a, a camera behind the goal and one at one at pitch side level, as well as your halfway line footage. And you, for best of all, for me, you had the dulcet tones of Carl Bates and Max to, to talk you through. But honestly, honestly, Sky TV, awful. Hang your heads in shame at that. There's a fortune that Sky Sports package as well, and the, the fact that they can't. Oh, why can't they just use the same coverage that I follow? Have Precisely. I don't understand that. Don't, don't understand it. But this was this was your classic. I mean, if it was non-league, if it was um, Ilford FC up the road from where I live, then you say, okay, that's that's par. You know, it's it's a um, one camera on the halfway line is as, as good as you're going to get. But this is not. This is this is Championship level football. And I just thought it was appalling service. Um, unfortunately, as long as people pay to watch it, then that's what you're going to get. That's just the contempt for the customer, I think. But um, I want to finally, gentlemen, if I can, just mention Jed Wallace's dog, Archie. Um, this is mentioned in an article on London News Online, I think. Um, he's been, since lockdown life, Jed is watching less football. He's not watching the football so much. He's trying to devote his home time because of the, the playing um, schedule being so so heavy he's trying to devote his time with his kids and his missus and his dog Archie um, and he's been walking Archie's a quote from the article and I've been walking my dog non-stop with my kids and the missus the dog is happy because there are always people at home he gets walked twice a day Archie is getting walked twice a day listeners I think he's delighted that we're in lockdown and he's going to be in for a shock when we come out of lockdown says Jed so I think it's a big shout out to Archie and, and he don't know what's coming around the corner. He's probably going to get enough less walkies once lockdown life returns back to normality, chaps, isn't he? Do you, Nick, you, you remember the days of when managers used to take their dogs to the training ground. I think yeah. we should do more of that, you know. You see Brian Clough with um right, Brian Clough with his dog is is uh he had a golden retriever, I think. He did, yeah, walking your dog with yeah. I mean he used to carry it, wouldn't he scare a tennis racket and a ball and just like smash the ball somewhere and the dog would go and find it and bring it back. Well, there used to be a, a lot in the 70s, particularly, of dogs running on the football pitch. It was a big thing. Dogs would intrude on the game. You know, you don't see it anymore. Um, and the game's the poorer for it, Mike, in my opinion. I think you need to see more dogs running on pitches. And um... uh, There's plenty of dogs outside, outside the ground when we all are involved, <laughs> oh, I'll tell you that. Jeez. Yeah. yeah tell not what, very I, nice I, looking dogs, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Fulham, if you, if you, you got the, the river path, and then turn left up to like the Thames Walk, and then turn left, yeah. like go towards Stevenage Road, where where the Johnny Ain stand is. There's a lady who sells programs, and you know, like they've got that little stand they have. She has a British bulldog, like an English bulldog, just to sleep at her feet. It's brilliant. I see it every time. It was the most beautiful dog. The little British bulldog just sat there, like while while the lady sold programs on a match day. And what I wonder is, is one, where does a dog go during the game? Like, well, you know, does the dog have his own seat? What's the situation? These are the questions that arise. But um, big shout out to Archie, Jed's dog Archie. I mean, Middlesbrough on Saturday. Lover, mate? Sorry, mate? Are you a dog fan? Are you a dog lover? Oh, no, no, not really a dog fan. Oh, no, I don't dislike a dog. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to lose half my listeners immediately with that comment. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I've never, we've never had dogs, but um, kind of in the middle on on a dog. I, I, I don't dislike them. I don't, I'm not one to say I'm a lover of them. What about you boys? Are you dog lovers, Mike? Uh, the missus has got one um, she? and she's, she's a sweet little thing, but um, I just, uh, I don't know, that smell of dogs. I just don't want me else. The thing I find with animals, we've had a cat in in the past. Um, The thing is with an animal is that your life revolves around shit. That's that that basically, I have this personal theory that all life in the end comes back to the clearance of shit because that's fundamentally what it comes down to. And um, yeah, I mean, if, if you don't mind that, that's fine, but it comes back to shit.
Middlesbrough away on Saturday, I, gentlemen. I, I could say that about many other podcasts. <laughs> give me, give me a score <laughs> prediction for Middlesbrough. I don't, I'm not sure it matters too much, but um, Aaron, how do you see Millwall versus Middlesbrough on Saturday? Oh, one one. One one. With Warnock shouting, that's what Muscat. Uh, <laughs> I think. You, uh, yeah. Make sure you listen to the Kevin Muscat on Wall Talk. Is it good? I've listened to that podcast. One, yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, he's obviously an interesting character. Um, I think he character. holds back a little bit though at times, and you just want him to. We need to get him you know. on this show. He won't hold back. Anymore, <laughs> yeah, <so>. yeah. <laughs> I think I, I'm going to agree with. You. I think it's going to be a very drab game. Um, knowing what Neil Warnock's side play like. Um, I'll go one all, but I wouldn't be surprised if we lose. I just think, especially if we're a bit shaky at the back and um, you know Pierce gets bullied again. But I'll uh, be positive and go one one. Well, two one all draws in the bag. I, I, I'm I'm going to go for a win. I fancy us winning. Well, I think I'll go for a one nil win. Lines with a, a stunner at the performance by Alex Pierce running the show from defence, Franz Beckenbauer style. So. <laughs> Franco Barese. Franco Barese. Franco Bermondsey. Franco Wasn't he in that, in, what was that film, Train Spot in Franco Bermondsey? Was he? I don't know. I don't know. There we are, dear listeners. Thank you for listening to this edition of Actung Mill. We'll be back at the weekend. I've got Michael in my next, is my next guest. Um, we'll be tuning in after the uh, the home game versus which a big thank you to Aaron for taking time away from the glamorous world of BBC Radio and to Mike for taking time out of his working day to join us for today's show so thank you gentlemen and until the weekend it's Arriva Dirty Millwall and bye for now Thank you for listening to Aston Millwall If you enjoyed the show please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review Arriva Dirty Millwall Till next time who do you want to watch? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.